Are you ready for the game plan? Ellis Tolbert has got you covered. It's time for 4th and 16 on The Roar. Hey folks, welcome to 4th and 16's The Game Plan. As always, I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. Folks, can you believe it? We're already here at week five. Time flies when you're having such a good time, and the Tigers are now 4-0, uh, coming off of a big win over North Carolina Charlotte 52-10. They looked pretty good doing that despite the level of competition, and they covered the spread, which was 42. The halftime show was a pretty good treat for everyone that went to the game and stayed as well. Uh, you know, I thought it was cool that they honored Ray Ray McElrath's story, uh, and it's cool to see a little bit of movie magic. But this week, the Tigers look to add another W to the win column as they take on the North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, kickoff for this game is at 3.30 and will be aired on ABC. This is the second road game of the season for the Tigers, and they will be playing at Keenan Memorial Stadium in Chapel Hill. North Carolina is easily the most confusing team that we've seen so far, kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde. They're coming in at 2-2 two two with wins over South Carolina and Miami and losses to Wake Forest and a huge upset to Group of Five Appalachian State. That was a little bit of a head-scratcher, but they'll be looking to get back on track this week against the Tigers in a game that has a whopping 28-point spread. Now, can the Tar Heels make this game interesting, or will the Tigers make the trek back from Tobacco Road with a big win? Let's go ahead and get into it. Let's talk about the Tar Heels offense. First-year head coach Mack Brown is returning for his second stint at North Carolina. Of course, he coached there in 1996-97. to That was a part of a rebuild that he parlayed to get himself a bigger job and become the Mack Brown that we know today. He brings over Phil Longo from Ole Miss. Very good coach and knows how to light up the scoreboard when things are going well. The scheme is a modified air raid from the Mike Leach tree. Very similar, but has fundamental differences. We'll talk about that a little later. The personnel is 10 You'll see some 11, a lot of no tight sets in this one. Very interesting. Uh, and you'll see some eye formation as well. Philosophy is tempo with simplicity. They want to go fast, but they don't want to do anything that's going to give their young quarterback any kind of headache. Again, Mac Brown is making his triumphant return to college football. And what better way to start? Mac Brown is a college football legend, folks. He's one of the first people that Dabo reached out to for guidance after getting the head coaching job in 2009. Just wanted to shadow him bounce some ideas off of him about how to be a head coach, how to run your program, uh, and that has shaped Dabo to be the man that he is today. They are very good friends now, still to this day, and Dabo has talked about that in his presser earlier in the week. Mac Brown is one of the few active coaches in college football right now that has a national championship. He won that in 2006 with Texas Longhorns over the USC Trojans in a game that was very exhilarating. Folks, Mac Brown just brings good culture back to the North Carolina program and college football in general. He reminds me of Dabo when he turns 68 and 70 years old. Very similar people. Larry Fedora had this team on the cusp of a playoff appearance in 2015, but since then it's been a very steep decline. So the AD at North Carolina was tasked with finding a man that could turn this program around. What better person than an old, happy, jovial man that has been there and done that before at your school and has nothing to lose? Mac Brown was the answer. We'll see if he's the future. The reason I say that is because, as I said earlier, this is the most confusing team in college football. They are 2-2, two two, but could easily be 0-4 or 4-0. Could have definitely lost the game against South Carolina if South Carolina coaches had any sort of brain. And if not for late starts against Wake Forest and Appalachian State, they could have possibly won those games as well. So again, very confusing team. 
Now, this offense will not wow you, folks. Uh, they're a very slow starter, but it does have talented players across the board. Don't get me wrong. It's considered an air raid offense, but relies more on a downhill running game from the running backs and the quarterbacks. You'll see some quarterback draws and things like that. And that's where it differs from the Mike Leach type air raid. Uh, it's a little bit more reliant on the downhill running game and very simplistic, especially from the quarterback standpoint. This is the third time in five weeks that we've seen a form of the air raid offense. We did not see it last week although they do have some kind of elements of this. Uh, and we did not see it against Georgia Tech because I don't know what Georgia Tech ran. I don't think Georgia Tech knows what they ran. So again, third time in five weeks. This offense is simplified to take the pressure off of the quarterback. It's a read and react type thing. They have less than 30 total plays in their playbook, and it's just do this because of this. Very simple. It's an up-tempo offense, kind of like Larry Fedora's, but fundamentally different because they know when to slow it down. Variable tempo. There were times where Larry Fedora didn't seem to know when to take the foot off of the pedal, and he put his gas defense back on the field. Uh, and that was one of the reasons why a lot of people didn't have a lot of confidence in the North Carolina defense over the past few years. But don't get me wrong, though. Coach Longo's offense is blazing fast. Speed kills, and you look to 2017, the Ole Miss offense was the fastest scoring offense in the country. Just 99 seconds per drive. That is very fast. Now, he likes to play the numbers game, and he will take whatever the defense gives. He doesn't put any real emphasis on balance. I've seen some games at Ole Miss where running backs did not have a single carry. That could be very problematic in a game like this if you become one-dimensional, uh, but good luck to him. Again, this offense is a very slow starter. They come on hot later in the game, but that could be pretty bad in this game. Uh, I'm just not seeing that being very helpful. Their quarterback is the linchpin of this offense. He's what makes things go, and that quarterback is Sam Howell. True freshman, very good. If you don't believe me, we recruited him hard. He was a former Clemson prospect. We wanted him. He eventually signed with Florida State before flipping to North Carolina after word of Mac Brown's uh, return. So this guy's pretty good. He won a three-way battle between the quarterbacks in this fall camp, and that made one of their guys, Cade Fortin, uh, transfer out. He's still got some training wheels on. They, they, he's kind of ginger, though. They, they're, it's like they don't trust him yet. If they do trust them, the offense can thrive. That's why we're seeing the second half be so strong for North Carolina. Now, he's a dual-threat guy. He's not very fast or shifty, very smart runner. It reminds me of Deshaun Watson with that. Deshaun wasn't going to run a 4-3-40, but he knew how to get down the field and get a lot of yards before sliding. He's got decent accuracy as well, strong arm. Reminds me of a young Jake Fromm. Now, that's no knock to him. It's just that right now he's not very explosive. We might see that later in his career, but right now he's still growing. Now, we could potentially see backup Jace Reuter if Howell struggles. Uh, Reuter is known as the more mobile quarterback, and he is fast. True dual threat guy. He runs about a 4-4-40. Very elusive and could be a problem outside of the pocket. However, I am seeing that I think he is questionable for this game with a lower body injury, and if that is the case, there is no one behind Sam Howell. He will absolutely have to stay healthy for this game. Uh, if they have to put anyone else in, it would be completely over. The strength of this offense, though, is at running back. Javante Williams, a sophomore, leads the way with Michael Carter and Antonio Williams in Ohio State transfer. Those guys are all talented. I said last week that Benny LeMay from UNCC would be the best running back that we've seen so far. But folks, these are the best trio of running backs that we will see all season. Hands down. Those of you that know me know that I remain objective. And when I say this, I mean it. These guys are good. They run hard. They're all a blend of elusive and one cut back archetypes. 
You got Carter, who's really good at catching the ball out of the backfield. And Javante is the bruiser back. He's about 5'11", 220, uh, but he's also very good at making some shifty moves. Williams is a blend of both. He's very, very good. Transfer from Ohio State. These guys are good. Trust me. They're going to try and establish the run early on and get these guys involved early and often. Uh, but a lot of their success will rely on the offensive line. Now, they are largely unproven, but they do have some talent along the offensive line. And it starts with both of their tackles. Left tackle Charlie Heck was a first-team All-ACC selection with a ton of experience. And true sophomore right tackle Jordan Tucker is one of those guys that has a lot of promise. They hope to keep that kid around a lot. And both of these guys are huge. I'm talking both guys are 6'8", 330, and they move well. It's going to be a challenge for this Clemson defensive line to try to get around them. Again, largely unproven, but they're dealing with a lot of injuries, trying to shift people around and put them in new positions, uh, kind of like Syracuse, very similar to Syracuse, actually. Uh, it's going to be very interesting in this game because starting center Nick Polino is going to be out for the game. Definite. Charlie Heck is also questionable for the game uh, with an upper body injury, so that could really be a big hit to this offensive line. And the way Clemson's defensive line is swarming right now, uh, that seems bad news for a freshman quarterback. Let's go ahead and move along to what's considered the second best uh, group on the offense, and that's the wide receivers. Now, these guys are fast. They're known for circus catches, kind of like AM, but like AM, way too inconsistent. Tons of dropped balls. They're not helping their young quarterback out at all. You're talking about a guy like Daz Newsom, who could be an elite receiver. He has track speed, will wow you with all those crazy catches, but just too many dropped balls. Another guy who's considered their number one receiver is Deami Brown. He's probably the most dependable guy. Uh, he's not particularly big. He's not particularly fast, uh, but he is dependable. Uh, he will be that possession receiver for you. This is not a particularly big group of receivers. You won't see a whole lot of 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guys, but they do have Bo Corrales. He's about 6'5", and he is absolutely a red zone threat. We will have to watch out for him, have some over-the-top help. They also like to use a guy, Rontavius Groves, in the red zone. Uh, Roscoe Johnson, especially with slants and stuff like that. We'll have to watch out for that. Some back shoulder throws as well. Let's move along to the tight ends. Uh, now, the tight ends in this game will be used more than we've seen up to this point, but they still don't use them excessively. Carl Tucker is big and athletic. Soft hands. Uh, very good receiver. Vulnerable in the run blocking ability, though. So he could be a liability for their offensive line and blocking uh, just going to see what happens with that. They don't really have too many other guys that they like to throw the ball to at tight end. Uh, they maybe Jacob Vargas, not a whole lot of guys, but again, tight ends will be used more than we've seen up to this point. This offense is just a little too inconsistent for me right now to be a powerhouse, but you can see progress. Again, they're a slow starter. Once they get hot, once they take the training wheels off of Sam Howell, they start to put points on the board. Some of that could be chalked up to youth. Uh, I do think that Sam Howell early on can get deer in the headlights look. Uh, some of the offensive line is still young. Some of the receivers haven't grown into themselves yet, but uh, too many injuries at critical spots in the offensive line. And uh, I just very inconsistent wide receiver play keeps them from really scaring me at this point. But I can see in the future they could be pretty dangerous. Let's go ahead and get into the keys to the game for the Clemson defense. First and foremost, tackle in space. Again, we're playing some of the best running backs that we will see. Those guys are very slippery and very strong. We don't want to give them any yards after contact. Same with the receivers. We don't want to give them uh, any short plays that turn into an explosive play because they broke one. Speaking of that, we want to eliminate any explosive play. We don't want to see them going down the field at all. If they want to run the ball and get two and three yards every play, that's fine. We'll three and out them and go out and call it a day. 
but we do not want any explosive plays. They are definitely capable of it. Again, a guy like Daz Newsom is able to get behind the second level uh, and make some big plays. We don't want that. We want TFLs in this game. Talcas for loss kill their momentum. Same with turnovers. Uh, a team this young who's still trying to find their way, if you take the ball away from them, that kills their confidence. Takes them out of the game early on. We want to make their freshman quarterback overreact. We don't make him look like a true freshman. Uh, if he's out there and he's able to make reads and uh, have time to throw the ball or he's running around and throwing on the run, which is something he's very good at, uh, he's not going to have a lot of trouble. But if we're out there and we're confusing him, we're making him throw too fast, seeing ghosts, throwing hospital balls to the receivers, bad product placement, we're going to have a great game. We're going to make their freshman quarterback look like a freshman. We want to control the line of scrimmage. Again, it's a mismatch. A lot of injuries there. They can't run the ball if we're being dominant. If they can't run the ball, they're going to rely on those inconsistent receivers, games in the bag. You need to get up big and get up big early. Keep the foot on the pedal. Again, this is a very slow starting team. If you're able to get out there and dominate and kill their confidence and make the lead so insurmountable uh, that they turn one-dimensional, like I said Phil Longo likes to do, uh, this game could be over early. Uh, you can pin your ears back on the defensive line. You can have some extra heat coming. And you can tell all the secondary to let nothing happen behind you. It's going to be a good game for the secondary. You might see a lot of interceptions, a lot of passes batted down. You can see some covered sacks. Very good. So you want to get up early and turn them one-dimensional. Keep the foot on the pedal. Do not let them come back. Keep everything in front of you. Watch out for the big pass, especially early on. I have a good feeling that they might actually throw uh, a bomb early on in the game just to try to open up Clemson's defense. I've seen Phil Longo do this multiple times in multiple games at multiple places. He will do that. He will test your defense early on. Lastly, play sound football. Don't be tricked with trick plays. Don't be tricked with any extra motions or any kind of exotic things. Uh, watch the double pass. I haven't seen North Carolina do that this season so far, but I have seen Phil Longo do this at other places, uh, specifically Sam Houston State and Ole Miss. He will do that. Look, this team has nothing to lose. They're playing the number one team in their house. They're huge underdogs. Uh, no one believes that they can win. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at Clemson uh, just to try to get any kind of spark. Got to play sound football. Don't want to be beat on silly plays. Some things I've seen over the past few weeks and specifically last week that I like, the linebackers look pretty good. I like what I'm seeing out of Spectre and Venables and Jones. Those guys are flying all over the place and making tackles, and we know what we have with our starters. They're going to get a lot of work in this game, especially in the run game. I think our cornerbacks have been playing with pretty good technique so far. Uh, haven't been really playing lazy. Not a lot of pass interference calls. They haven't been getting beat on their matchups, uh, and we want to see more of that throughout the season. I think they're going to have a good chance, another good practice in this game. I think we've been doing pretty good with penalties. Uh, we've been having some late hit penalties that we really need to clean up, but uh, especially in this past game. Uh, but I think that's just a little bit of guys playing super hard. They need to just reel it in a little bit. Just reel that in. I thought that Clemson went to that four-man front against UNCC like I thought they would, uh, especially because of the run game. And I think they might do some of the same in this, depending on what UNC does. Uh, four-man front's always good, especially if you're trying to stack the box for their run game. Uh, we haven't really had to worry about that so much this past season. I love the tenacity from both K.J. Henry and Logan Rudolph. Those guys were disruptive. K.J. Henry is coming into his own now. He looks the part. 
Uh, he created a lot of havoc, a lot of batted balls, and Logan Rudolph just looks like he belongs now. Really proud of that guy and his progression, as well as the rest of the defensive line. Of course, it's not the same as it has been for the past four years, but it's something else. And that something else is dangerous. We see that now. A lot of sack potential in this team. And a lot of sacks have been left on the field. Looking for a guy like Xavier Thomas to step up and have a big game. He's been a little bit quiet for the past few weeks, but he's got a great chance to show the country what he's all about against some pretty good competition with these tackles. Folks, it's time to go to break, but when we come back, we'll be talking the Clemson offense, the Tar Heels defense, and a little special teams. You're listening to 4th and 16's The Game Plan right here on The Roar. We'll be back in a moment. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Welcome back to 4th and 16 on The Roar. All right, folks, we're back. Segment 2 of 4th and 16's The Game Plan coming at you. North Carolina has been a little bit better than I initially expected on defense this year, but a few mistakes here and there, along with the offense not playing any kind of complimentary football, which is very critical, has put them on the losing end of some games this year. But despite that, they've been playing with a lot more swagger, much more energy than I've seen in previous seasons. Let's go ahead and talk about the Tar Heels defense. First year defensive coordinator Jay Bateman comes over from Army and folks, he brings the pain. His scheme is multiple. You'll see your regular humdrum 4-4, 3-4, But then he's going to hit you with some exotic stuff like 3-3-5, 2-3-6, 4-1-6. I've even seen a shell that has zero linebackers on the field. He is very good at creating confusion. He is worth the money, and his philosophy is all about the blitz. He likes to bring the pain. Again, Coach Bateman brings the energy. He turned Army into a defensive powerhouse. They held Oklahoma in check with Kyler Murray, the eventual Heisman Trophy winner. Army's defense really turned around and started playing lights out under his defensive coaching, and that same defense was one of the reasons why they became a top 25 team. Now, I know a lot of you will say, Ellis, who does Army play? Think about the competition that they play on a week-to-week basis. And to you, I say this. They were able to take the statistical best offense in Oklahoma last season with Kyler Murray to overtime, uh, held them in check, and just a few weeks ago, we saw that they went into the big house up in Michigan, and if not for some boneheaded mistakes from their head coach, could have won that game on their defense as well. Army was legit under Jay Bateman. He is a very good coach. His defense resembles some elements of Dave Aranda from LSU and Mike Elko and the fact that he's very aggressive. He might be the most aggressive defensive coordinator we will see this entire season. He's going to send a blitzer on every single play, no matter the down and distance. He's a very big gambler, kind of like Brent Venables. I'm not suggesting that he's as good as Brent Venables. What I am saying, though, is he's very good at creating confusion and havoc, kind of like Brent Venables. He likes to send a blitzer from different positions out of the exact same packages on different plays. That basically makes the quarterback virtually unable to key on certain pre-snap keys, uh, and that puts the offensive line and the tight ends and running backs at a disadvantage. I've often seen teams not know who to block because the quarterback doesn't know who to identify for them to block. Very interesting. Now, he does some of this because the team doesn't quite have specific talent to compete straight up yet, but he makes up for it with a lot of this pressure and confusion. 
He loves press coverage, no matter what. You'll see a lot of cover zero and cover one. He wants no layups. That's his motto. No easy passes. He knows that you're not going to throw hitches all the way down the field. His thing is about making you go backwards. That's what they want, which is the same goal for every defensive coordinator. He just happened to be pretty good at it. Bateman loves the cat and mouse game, especially on the line of scrimmage. If he's bringing four guys, he wants to make the quarterback believe that there's five or six coming. If he's dropping eight, he'll put six players on the line instead of three. Very, very confusing stuff. A lot of multi-fronts, uh, a lot of different coverages in the backfield. You never really know what's coming. That's why his scheme is very good. A schemeless scheme, for lack of better words. Doesn't matter. Like I said, he'll have all those fronts uh, in the same game. You'll see 4-1-6 and 3-3-5 and 3-4 and 4-4 in the same game. He wants to confuse you. Defense doesn't have a whole lot of depth either, but the starters are talented. I mentioned that earlier, uh, and the strengths are along the defensive line and secondary. Probably the secondary is the strength right now, the real strength. Uh, they brought over Dre Bly, former North Carolina cornerback and pro football player. Uh, he's returned to coach the DBs, and he knows what he's doing. The two linchpins of the secondary are Miles Wolfork and Miles Dorn. Wolfork is the strong safety. Dorn is the free safety. Wolfork is actually tied for first in the country with three interceptions, and he is a hard hitter. He lays the wood. Miles Dorn is actually the guy that reminds me the most of J. Ron Curse in his prime. The guy has great size, great in run support, too. He's probably going to play more like a box safety against Clemson because I imagine Clemson's going to come out running first. They will be coming into this game without their talented cover corner, Patrice Rene. He was lost for the season earlier in the year uh, with a torn ACL. He will not be available, but in his spot, they will be going to Greg Ross. If not for Greg Ross, possibly the freshman with the greatest name in the world, Storm Duck from Boiling Springs, South Carolina. This guy is actually pretty good. True freshman. We'll see what happens with him. They also employ a nickelback type player in DJ Ford Jr., very good as well. Uh, and they'll also be using Trey Morrison, true sophomore. He's also a, another type of nickelback. I'm sure he'll be getting the start in this game. Again, these guys are very good, opportunistic, uh, but they have problems. They are kind of lazy with their technique. They can be beaten pretty easily. I've seen guys uh, be turned in 360. Lazy technique, lots of pass interference, and they're sort of undersized this year. So it's going to be interesting with this game, especially with Clemson's bigger receivers. Uh, they've still got some work to do. Moving along to the defensive line, uh, they're still a work in progress. They're still gelling, but they do have a ton of talent. Jason Strobridge and Aaron Crawford are the guys that stick out to me. They're particularly strong. They can generate a lot of push. Watch for those guys dropping into coverage, too. I've seen that happen. Uh, Jason Strobridge is actually listed as questionable for the game with an ankle injury, though, so he may not play. That could be a big hit to this North Carolina defensive line especially with run defense. Now, they haven't been particularly bad uh, with run defense this season, uh, but when injuries start racking up and you play a team like Clemson that can jam the ball down your throat, that can be pretty troublesome. They won't get much help from the linebacker core. They are still a bit of concern after graduation and some injuries, but they do have a talented player, especially in Dominique Ross. He is an A-plus pass rusher. Uh, they use him in the middle, and they also use him as a edge rusher, especially when 3-4 comes out. Uh, very big guy. He reminds me of Cameron Wake from the Tennessee Titans. Similar body type. Uh, very big and strong guy. Liability and coverage, though. Chasserat is another very fast and athletic linebacker. Interestingly enough, Surratt was actually last year's quarterback until the injury sidelined him. He came into this season with the quarterback battle, decided to go over to linebacker, and has found a home. He is a very good player. He is the older brother of Sage Surratt, uh, wide receiver for Wake Forest that we will see later on in the year. Very good player. 
Tamon Fox is another great pass rusher at linebacker, has another one of those defensive end type bodies, but again, another liability in coverage. We can really take advantage of that when we single these guys out with running backs and tight ends. I look for Clemson to be able to do that. I know that Tony already sees this on tape. Again, this North Carolina linebacking core is still looking for their alpha, their leader. Last year's leading tackler Cole Holcomb left to graduation and they have not found a suitable replacement for him yet. I think this is a great matchup for Clemson to use and exploit with their tight ends and running backs in this game because the middle of the field is going to be open all game. Their nickel players cannot cover our bigger slot receivers or our tight ends because they're too big. Uh, but if you put a bigger linebacker out there on them, they cannot cover them because they're too fast. So Clemson might be able to feast in this game. Moving along to special teams, this legitimately might be the weakest special team court we've seen so far, and I do not mean that disrespectfully. True freshman punter from Ireland, Ben Kiernan, has only been punting for about three years. Uh, his first sport is actually rugby. He moved to Raleigh, North Carolina in 2014, uh, and he took up football. Very good leg. He has a very explosive leg. Uh, but chances are he's going to be very inconsistent in this game. There's a good chance that he's going to have a 20-yard punt in this game. Uh, not very good when you're playing against a team that has an explosive offense like Clemson. Starting place kicker Noah Ruggles isn't very far off. Uh, he's a sophomore, doesn't have a whole lot of experience. In fact, he only has two extra points in his career previous to this year. Uh, it's going to be an issue. He doesn't have a very big leg either. Uh, he's not going to be kicking it from 50-plus uh, his accuracy is pretty good, but they're going to need points in this game and they're going to need him to be on his a game so far. They have been uh, very lackluster. We'll see what happens. The punt returner. They have Daz Newsom, the starting receiver. He's a real threat to break one, uh, but he can be a liability in fielding punts safely. He'll definitely drop one. He will muff one And this game again could be killer. I guess you could say pot calling kettle black because Will Sweeney also muffed a punt in the game last week against UNCC. But I don't really see him getting a lot of opportunities to fill punts in this game. I'm pretty sure that's Amari Rogers' game. He's locked that down. He's looked fantastic at it. He's a threat to break one in any moment as well. It's kind of difficult to talk about kick return for any Clemson opponents because we never really give them the opportunity to. BT Potter kicks it into the end zone pretty much every single time. He has a huge leg. No worries there. Moving along. The Clemson kick return duties have been given solely to true freshman Joe Ngata. And I can understand why. Very good, very strong, confident runner. He's put us on a lot of good field position going forward. Although I don't see us getting a lot of kick return opportunities because if so, that means North Carolina is scoring. We don't want that. We want to see maybe one to two, zero if possible, kick returns. On punt return, that's a different story. I can see us getting a couple of punt returns uh, and Amari Rogers looks like he could do it. And if you're listening, Amari Rogers, you're probably not. Get yourself a punt return touchdown, buddy. We're all rooting for you. Let's go ahead and talk about some keys to the game for this Clemson offense, and I'll start with checking and double-checking the pre-snap read. Check it again if you're not sure. You have to be sure of it. They're going to be sending the house. They're going to be mixing coverages. I can almost guarantee you they will have a squat corner. Uh, they'll be doing some robber-type things. You have to be sure of it. you got to be able to identify the blitz as well. The name of the game is throwing the ball and running the ball where they will not be. You want to take advantage of their aggressiveness, but you have to know where they're going to be before they do. You have to have no turnovers. Travis got away with a huge fumble in the first play against UNCC. It's almost like the refs just turned their eyes to it, but that will not happen in this game. They will call everything. I admire players still working hard to try to get more yards, but you got to know when to give up on a play. No tackles for loss. Always move forward. Never run backwards. 
If there's a play that you need to get around the corner and you see that you're going to go backwards on it, try to find a way up forward or just fall to the ground. If you give any kind of backwards play to Jay Bateman's defense that gives them motivation, they're going to play harder. You got to move forward. Now, I've said this one for weeks and weeks, and I will remain with it. Run the ball. Run the ball with the running backs. Run it with Trevor. Give Amari Rodgers a little shovel pass. We have to run the ball. They're going to be very aggressive, especially with the RPO. So we want to make sure we're making them overcommit and pulling it at the right time. Trevor's going to have a lot of yards in this game rushing because they're going to overly commit to Travis Etienne. Run the ball. The 50-50 balls and the back shoulder throws will be there all game. But if you think that you're going to be on the losing end, do not tip the ball up. You got to bat it down. We've had way too many interceptions that have been the receiver's fault uh, because of this. We got to work on that. It will be there, though. Uh, again, this secondary is a little bit shaky. They have been playing with lazy technique, uh, and they do give up a lot of size. We got to run the same plays from different formations. Keep them guessing. One of Clemson's favorite plays is the buck sweep. We do this a lot out of the 11 personnel. Do it out of 12. Do it out of empty set. Keep them guessing. Everything's on film. We want to do something that they haven't seen before. Technically qualifies as that. And lastly, we want to play complementary football. Help the defense out. If you're stalling out, start to slow it down a little bit to give the defense a break. Same for the defense. If you're out there and having long drives, the offense can't score. You have to make sure to get off of the field. Let's talk about some Clemson players that I was really excited about. Uh, I really liked all of the running backs last week. Uh, I think all of the running backs now have a touchdown except Darian Rencher. So I want to get him one in this game. Of course, if he does get one, that means the game is out of hand. I'm okay with that. We should be getting Justin Ross back. We did sit him against UNC Charlotte. Uh, he had some kind of hip injury, but he should be well-rested and ready to go for this game. I thought the rest of the guys did have a big game. I saw exactly what I wanted to see out of the receivers. They were running clean routes, very efficient, catching all the balls. Uh, they were not losing their matchups. Uh, they were batting the balls down. That was one of the keys I talked about. I'm looking for them to have a very big game, especially with the young guys. We're seeing Joe Ngata finally got his first touchdown. We know what uh, Frank Latson can do. These guys are stepping up when they're playing meaningful minutes. We will need them in this game, and they will do well. Trevor has the chance to throw for over 400 yards in this game, but he has to be smart. Again, that's no disrespect to the UNC team. Uh, I just think that their corners are a little bit lazy right now, uh, and their safeties are a little bit aggressive. I think that we can take advantage of that, but he has to be very smart. His product placement has to be on point. If he gets his rhythm down, his timing down, he might be able to break his record that he just broke a couple of weeks ago at Syracuse. The offensive line has been playing beautifully the past few weeks, uh, and I want to see them continue to expand on that. But they do need to communicate a little bit better with Trevor uh, for protection calls, and especially in this game where they're going to have a lot of chaos going. The running backs need to be alert as well. Maybe have a wrinkle uh, to have the running back do a bluff block and leak out at the last minute as a check down if they can properly identify the blitz. That can be lethal when you have a running back like Travis Etienne uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. I can guarantee you no defensive coordinator wants to see him getting the ball and running down the field. None. I thought the tight ends looked very good catching the ball last week. Luke Price had a beautiful catch and an even better run after the catch. Uh, all of the guys looked very solid. I want us to build upon that performance. Get the tight ends involved even more. We have been doing that progressively each week. When you do that, that's going to open up this offense and make it that more dangerous. 
Again, this offense has the chance to put up some really big numbers and points, but they have to play efficiently. You have to be smart. You have to know where everything's coming. Process it. I could see them easily getting into the 50-point range in this game, but they have to play sound. If not, I'm looking at maybe 31. I'm thinking it's probably going to be an average between the two. I can see 45 points, but again, this North Carolina defense is going to be excited. They're going to be ready to play, and if you give them any kind of breaks, they're going to take that advantage. The coach is very good at getting them stoked, ready to play. You have to be on your A game. I am ready to see uh, the evolution of this offense. Dabo talked about it in his presser. We've played four games now. Act like it. Look like it. I think this Clemson offense is exciting. Uh, We know what we have, and they will prove that in this game. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. But in the final segment of the show, I'm going to be comparing position groups with both teams, and I'm going to be giving you my final prediction of the game. My name is Ellis Tolbert, and you are listening to 4th and 16th The Game Plan, right here on The Roar, the flagship station of Clemson Athletics. Don't go anywhere. We got more football to talk. I'll be back in just a second. Inhale good. Wouldn't that smell better with farm-rich mozzarella sticks in front of you? Yes, find farm-rich in the freezer aisle and enjoy. Welcome back to 4th and 16 on The Roar. And we're back, folks. Final segment of the show is underway. I'm Ellis Tolbert. It's time to do that thing where we compare each position group from both teams and we talk about why. As always, we start with wide receivers. I'm going to go with Clemson's wide receivers outright on this one. As I mentioned earlier, the wide receivers from North Carolina are good, but... They're just too inconsistent. At times, they're excellent, but just too many drops, and they don't really help their true freshman quarterback out, especially in a game like this one. On the other side, the Clemson wide receivers are starting to get hot. I know we haven't seen uh, the version of the Clemson receivers that we saw at the end of the year last year yet, but they are on their way. This is the game for them to start heating up. We know what we have, especially with the young guys. They've all gotten touchdowns now. They're excited. They want more. Clemson also has better depth at wide receiver. Although North Carolina does have pretty good depth, I trust the three deep for Clemson much more than I trust uh, the depth over at North Carolina right now. A little bit more dynamic, a little bit more reliable. I'm going with Clemson. For the running back group, I actually have to go even. Travis Etienne might be the most talented running back on either core, uh, but their trio is dangerous. Again, I mentioned that they might have the best trio of running backs that we will possibly see all the way through the playoffs, maybe even... Uh, The best trio in general. Very good players. All three of those guys can play at a very high level, but Clemson is building great depth at running back. We're seeing the maturation of the young guys in Malusi and Dukes. We know what we have in Lin J. Dixon. He's really starting to uh, own that backup part. And Travis Etienne is evolved into an all-purpose running back now. He cannot be stopped. He's a very good player. I have to go even with this one because I cannot see anything, uh, any specific team having a far and wide advantage outside of Travis Etienne. Let's talk quarterback now. Uh, I actually don't have this one close. This one goes to Clemson by far. Uh, Look, 
Sam Howell is going to be a very good quarterback in the future. He's actually pretty decent right now. Again, he's one of those guys that we absolutely wanted, but there is no depth behind him. He is the last stand at quarterback. Jace Reuter is there, uh, but I think he's injured, and he wasn't good enough to beat him. Uh, there's not a whole lot of competition. They had a lot of quarterbacks there as well, kind of like Clemson in 2017 and 2018. A lot of guys have moved on. Cade Fortin was the last one to go out, but we know what we have in Trevor Lawrence. You know, there's a lot of ballyhoo about Trevor Lawrence not being the crazy front runner for Heisman anymore, and we understand that. At first, it's like, ah, oh, man, it hurts that the kid's not going to be recognized as the best quarterback anymore. But if if you're an outsider and you don't think Trevor Lawrence is still one of the best quarterbacks in the country, you're insane. I'm telling you that now on this show, you're insane. We also have a really good backup. Obviously, Chase Bryce is able to go and win games for us. They made a big point to talk about Chase Bryce being really good and he might transfer and this and that because he is good enough to play anywhere in the country. He could play at Clemson. He could be the starter at Clemson right now, but he has a guy named Trevor Lawrence in front of him. And if you don't think that's a big deal, ask the rest of the guys that transferred out. Again, Howell, very good quarterback. Not enough depth. I'm going with Clemson by far on this one. For tight ends, I'm going to go even. Again, Clemson tight ends are starting to emerge. We're starting to be more uh, useful in the offense, not just as an extra blocker, but now they are being receivers. The Tar Heels use their tight ends a little bit more than Clemson so far, and they do have more experience, uh, but Clemson does have better depth. So this one's a little too close to call. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. I want to say this one's even. For the offensive line, I'm going to have to go with Clemson. Again, North Carolina has some pretty talented players, some star players along their line, especially in Heck and Tucker. Uh, but Heck may not play this game with an injury, and Polino is definitely out at center. Uh, I just can't trust them right now. A lot of shuffling, trying to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, a lot of gelling to be done. Clemson's offensive line also has the better two deep. I think we can trust any of our backups to come in and play a little bit better in a high level than the North Carolina guys can do, especially against this North Carolina depleted defensive line. Uh, they're going to definitely have the better day. Both teams can move the line. They do a pretty good job in the run game, a decent job in the passing game. But again, I think Clemson's defensive line will prevail in this one. Uh, North Carolina still has stuff to work on. Because of that, I have to go with Clemson. For the defensive line, I'm going to have to go with Clemson as well for a lot of the same reasons for the offensive line. The Clemson defensive line just has more talent across the board despite being younger. The Clemson depth in this game isn't comparable. Clemson has a lot of players that can come in and play at a high level. I cannot say the same for North Carolina. They do have some very good pass rushers, some good guys in run fits, but they do not have depth. They have been decimated from injury. One of their most important players, Strobridge, may not play in this game. That would kill them. The Clemson defensive line is also more flexible. You can do a lot more things with them. We're seeing odd fronts. Uh, we're seeing that work out for them. We may go to a four-man front. There might be times where we can send our defensive ends out. They're athletic enough to be able to cover passes. We've seen Justin Foster out on a wheel route before. That was a bad idea for that game, but we have seen this before. Just more flexible, I have to go with Clemson defensive line. For the linebackers, I have to go with Clemson as well. I think the North Carolina linebackers have gotten better, but they are still unproven. A lot of that is because they are out of place, and some of these guys uh, are just not familiar with what Bateman's trying to do. They're not the players that he's recruited for his scheme. Now, the mark of a good defensive coordinator is molding your defense around your personnel. I think he's able to do that, but 
Clemson has the better depth. We've seen our starters in Smith, Skalski, and Simmons do great things. We've seen the backups in Specter, Venables, and Jones do great things. I've even seen Keith McGuire out there uh, laying hats on people. Very good. And again, Isaiah Simmons, enough said. Clemson has the better linebacker core. Moving along to defensive backs. The North Carolina defensive backs have been playing with more passion, more fire, more energy lately. Uh, they've created a lot of turnovers this year so far, but they are still playing with really bad technique, still getting beat deep. This is probably the worst coverage bunch that they've had in the past few seasons, uh, and they're not that good in run support, just playing very undisciplined right now. The Clemson secondary is actually playing more discipline than they have in previous seasons. I know that last year we had some guys with miscommunications, being out of place, having a hero complex, but this year they're playing much more disciplined. Just more veterans on Clemson secondary right now uh, and better depth. They're also better at run support. You got a guy like Tanner Muse and Nolan Turner uh, who can play up against the line like a linebacker, but they can also cover. So again, I'm going to have to go at Clemson's defensive backs in this one. Uh, they are playing lights out right now. They're also helping and playing complementary football with the defensive line. We're getting a lot of sacks right now from coverage. We want to see a little bit more of that throughout the season. That's just going to make this defense even more dangerous. The last group to compare is the special teams, and I'm going to have to go with Clemson as well. Clemson just has the more consistent and talented group of kickers and punter. Uh, North Carolina is dealing with a lot of youth right now. Uh, again, Kiernan is a true freshman, and Ruggles is a true sophomore. Kiernan is just now getting on the squad, and Ruggles only had two extra points uh, attempted last year. Uh, Daz Newsom at punt return is problematic. He can take one, but he has to catch the punt cleanly. That's a liability. He also may not play in this game. Amara Rogers for Clemson is waiting to break one at any moment. I talked about earlier, I wanted to see him get a touchdown. He is only five months off of an ACL tear. He is a monster. Great story. I hope this kid has all the success at Clemson. For kick return, uh, they're not going to see a whole lot of that unless Sawicki's in. I saw Aiden Swanson have a kickoff against UNCC, and he knocked it out of the park. So we have multiple options of guys that can kick it out of the end zone for touchback outside of BT Potter. I'm not seeing North Carolina having a lot of opportunities to score, so we won't have very many kick return opportunities for Joseph Ngata. Uh, and if he does, he has the chance to break one, but again, I don't think we see that. And that brings the overall to Clemson. I think Clemson just has the better roster from top to bottom. Uh, North Carolina does have a lot of talented players, but injuries uh, and a lot of youth has just made them not really a big contender in this game right now. Look, folks, as I mentioned earlier, this North Carolina football team is energetic. They just look different. They look revitalized. They're coming into this game at 2-2 two and two with wins over South Carolina and Miami. I think they were underdogs in both. But let's face it, both of those teams are reeling right now. They have issues, and North Carolina is about an eyelash away from being those exact same teams. Mac Brown has come back to Chapel Hill and renewed a sense of direction, a new sense of hope. Larry Fedora left this program in a bit of disarray, not unlike a lot of former ACC coaches that have moved on to bigger and better jobs with more money or face the axe because of disappointing results. Mac has been here and done this before, though. He's already rebuilt them once. He's exactly that CEO-type guy that they needed, rather than some X's and O's guru, and it's working. He's made some pretty good hires, especially with Coach Bateman. Recruiting has blown up. They've done a lot of good things. This team had two wins last season, but they are much more talented than that would suggest. All of their losses within seven points or less. They are a bit undersized and hollow at certain positions, I know, but they are talented. 
I know a lot of UNC fans thought that this team could potentially be uh, 4-0 and this could be a game day location, but boy were those hopes dashed by a really poor showing against a better than expected, but still worse than they have been in the past App State team. This was the first win for App State over a Power 5 team since the 2007 season uh, where they went to Michigan and won on a blocked field goal. Funny how both of those games ended on a blocked field goal. Were they looking ahead to this Saturday's matchup? Possibly. But when you are a very young team, still trying to find your way, still trying to figure out your identity, you cannot take anything for granted. Trust me. Even the 2016 National Championship winning team for Clemson could not escape dropping a game when you might be looking a little sleepy, this team is known so far as the comeback kid. Sam Howell is known as the second half phenom. Outside of the Miami game, they had been down early pretty much to everyone, and they had to scratch and claw their way out of the hole. If they wait to the third quarter against uh, Clemson to take some training wheels off of Howell and start opening up the offense a little bit, the 28-point line spread that Vegas put out might be 14 to 21 points too low. I know that Tar Heel fans are still a little bit sour about the 2015 ACC championship game and all that transpired there. You know, that silly little offsides call that made them think that they would have definitely won the game had they got the call gone their way. Uh, that was just a little ridiculous. But earlier in the year, I had this game circled as a semi-trap game. I've been on numerous uh, records. I've been on podcasts. I've been on interviews. And I've said that this game could be interesting. Uh, I thought some of the things that they can present schematically, especially with Longo offensively, a lot of the unknowns from their defense could make this game interesting. I never said that they could beat Clemson, but I did say interesting. I still think that there are some things there. Uh, I know they'll show up and pack out the stadium with their sky blue and argyle patterns. With the way Mack and company are recruiting, though, they could absolutely rise to be the cream of the crop in the Coastal. It's right for the taking right now. They're doing all the right things to make that happen. But this is right now. We're talking about right now. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. I'm not worried about that. While you never want to overlook any team and count your eggs before they hatch, folks, they'll need to bring out the wine and cheese to suppress the pain and furious anger in this one. I think Clemson makes it a point to come out and jump on them early. Leave no doubt. There's just too many questions, too many injuries, not enough depth to compete with Clemson for four quarters. I've got Clemson winning by three scores. I'd say more, but chances are Clemson will rotate players heavily, especially later on. Uh, North Carolina is still going to have their starters in, and they're not going to give up. And they're going to keep fighting, keep pushing, which is exactly what you want them to do. They will not give up. This game won't be pretty, uh, but it is what it is. I think no one out there thinks that North Carolina will actually beat Clemson this game. I've got a score of 45-17. I think Clemson can get uh, 49-52. to 52. Uh, I don't really see them scoring 60-70. Uh, not in this game. North Carolina is not that bad, but I do see a pretty big uh, gap between the two. Uh, I'm going to say 45-17. And with that said, we've come to the end of the show, folks. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening in. This is four weeks straight now. As always, this episode will be available over on the 4th and 16 podcast, and you can find that wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm talking iTunes, uh, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever. 
feel free to find me over on Twitter at eTolbertSpeaks or on the Facebook page at 4th and 16 Sports. I'd love to chat some sports with you. I'm always up for it. We also got some things happening with the blog spot. You can find that at 4thand16.com slash blog. Jason Priester and Drew Schneider of Shaking the Southland have been gracious enough to help me with that, getting content pumped out for you. We got some good stuff. We're going to be making some picks throughout the next few weeks. Uh, it's going to be fun. Folks, send me some of your game predictions and hot takes. I want to hear them all. The funniest, the best ones you can come up with. I'm going to be reading some of the best ones on air next week, but please hold the profanity. Folks, it's great to be a Clemson Tiger. I'll catch you right here next week on The Roar at our usual time. My name is Ellis Tolbert, and you are listening to 4th and 16th, The Game Plan. Have a great night, and go Tigers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!